Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris, and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and my MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I launched Master Your Mental to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at master your mental. Now let's get into the episode guys. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode. I am very excited to bring this one to you guys. And the reason for that is because this episode is all about depression, recovery, and what it means to reclaim your story. And I'm bringing on again, a very special guest to share specific pieces of her story with us this week on experiences that she had with depression and solutions and tips and advice that have been extremely helpful for her in climbing out of that hole and season in her life and overcoming that stigma associated with depression to really create something very special to help a lot of other people in this world. And this is something that is an important topic because we also get into crisis management and what that looks like when we are in very challenging, upsetting, annoying situations in our lives and how to handle those in a way that does not allow those effects to linger on throughout the entire day and really cause us a lot of stress and overwhelm in those moments. Because I've definitely been there. I'm, I still have those moments and I really liked what this amazing guest had to say today. So Without further ado, I'm going to be bringing her on here in just a minute. But before I do, I got to thank you guys again for always sharing your feedback with me and being here and tuning in. And of course, when I say that, one of the big things I'm talking about is Apple Podcasts, where you guys can go over and leave me a five-star review if you would like to and write a little something for me there that I can read to see what you think and make this podcast as good as I can. So I have a review in front of me that was written by Queen Tosh. And this person said, master your mental five stars. Paris, you are an extraordinary woman that believes in the power of our true mental. Mastering the mindset is not always easy. Paris has real life people speaking real life experiences that breaks down the necessary roughness of the mental. This episode will educate, motivate, and inspire you to become empowered to live the true authentic version of yourself. Paris, you rock. Thank you for your extraordinary talents. May God continue to cover you on this beautiful path of purpose. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to whoever wrote that review for me. It means the world to me. And honestly, you guys, I'm always checking out those reviews 
and taking everything you say to heart because it always helps me see what you think, what your thoughts are, and how I can continue to make this show as best as I can for you guys and add as much value and cover any topics that you would like to see. So if you haven't already, feel free to head over to Apple Podcasts. You can leave me a review there. And if you guys want to know a little bit more about my story, I shared my story in my book called Crooked Illness that I released at the end of last year. And if you guys haven't already read that and you would like to, and you are curious to learn how I went on my own personal journey of prioritizing my mental health, you can check that out. It is linked in my bio on Instagram at master your mental and available on Amazon when you search for crooked illness. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and really like the content we get into this week. So without ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode on Master Your Mental. We are talking all about all about depression recovery today. Joining me is my special guest, Christine Scott. Christine is the founder of Seattle Conflict Resolution, where she consults with employers on policy, training, and crisis triage for support in nonviolent conflict responses. I'm so excited to have Christine with us today to not only dive into her personal story, but the work that she is doing with others and what depression recovery has looked like for her and how we can apply these tips into our lives and share them with those that we love. So without further ado, welcome Christine to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. I'm so excited to have you. And I can't wait to get into this because as you know, I as you guys know, I love featuring tips, tricks, solutions for anything related to mental illness, mental health, how to prioritize that. So Christine is here today to share her personal stories surrounding that along with the work she's doing. So what I would love to hear from you first. So what motivated you to share your story about depression recovery and what is the story? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, well, one of the things that I've been very graciously gifted with is a long career in social services. So I got to kind of hold space for people who had every form of, of mental struggle that you could imagine. They were living outside, they were victimized, uh, they were often kicked out of homes because they were uh, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, questioning queer, uh, or they had addiction issues, right? So I'm working with young people who were staying in a shelter that I was running. And so that showed me what it's like to be both vulnerable and survive and reclaim your story because I just met hundreds of young people doing that and they <laughs> they inspired me oh my gosh because you know i'm dealing with like suburban housewife issues and they're dealing they're dealing with life and death right and mm -hmm. um even though my depression was very real watching their ability to handle that was just like a real wake up call for me like if if they can climb out of that hole which looks insurmountable what am I doing to climb out of my hole, right? Mm -hmm. What am I doing for my own well-being? Because this is not working. Mm -hmm. I deserve to actually have some joy in my life. And right now it feels like it's like really far removed and really hard to get to. Yeah, no, and that's just 
incredible to hear the experiences that you had in social services, right. And going in and like you said, helping people who were dealing with all kinds of different things, homeless addiction, struggles with mental illness, not knowing, you know, the answers of the solutions and you're there and trying to help and trying to learn more and trying to add value. And then in the meantime, you are struggling with your own set of issues, right. That you, that you bring up too. And just understanding, you know, like if these people are, you know, pushing through and able to, you know, make it through these different things, you know, how, how can I do that as well? So I love that. And, you know, just having that spark inside of you. So that kind of brings me to, you know, when you're talking about climbing out of that hole that you're in, what does that, what did that journey look like for you when you talk about that? Um, well, there were a lot of things going on in my life that I didn't have words for. I didn't know that there was such a thing as situational depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I had a really close friend who said, you know, it's, it's simply when life is bigger than you can handle it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really t- kind of took the stigma out of depression because it was like, oh, okay. So this marriage that's not working for me is bigger than I can handle right now. Um, my son being diagnosed with autism bigger than I can handle right now. Like I had really good reasons for that hole I was in, but all I saw were the sides of the hole and not the contours, like not the like big picture about like, okay, this is why I'm here. (laughs) This is Mm -hmm. what I'm up against. Um, and it was, I'll never forget. I actually talked to my counselor about decisions I was making about whether or not to stay in the marriage. And my counselor is like, well, you know, I really recommend that people who are clinically depressed not make life-altering decisions. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, you know, that's there's some wisdom in that, but I think I'm depressed because I'm in a marriage that's not working for me. Mm. You know, wow. and and that's the hard thing about depression is you you really don't always know, like, what started this? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. No. And that's, and especially like what was so powerful with that, that you just mentioned about when you talked about being inside of that hole, right. You're only seeing the sides, you're not seeing the bigger picture and just like the pieces, like you mentioned with the marriage and then your son di- being diagnosed with autism and having all these things happening, but not knowing how to address that. And then being in therapy and getting these different, you know, pieces of information. So, you know, I would love to hear like, was there, was there something that stuck out to you or something that you tried, you know, cause of course there's all these different things that we can try or things that we can look into for solutions. Was there something that you found that was particularly helpful for you in coming out of your depression and managing that? Uh, I, I would say it would have to be the young people mm-hmm. that I got to know um, working at the shelter, um, just watching their incredible stories of resilience and overcoming some really big obstacles and hurdles mm-hmm. um, that I saw how possible it was, how, you know, how <laughs> mm-hmm. even though we I couldn't predict anyone's path at all, some people didn't make it out, those that did just oh my gosh, they, they just really floored me and inspired me. Like, wow, it's, it's very possible. And in, in fact, those of us that aren't dealing with life or, and death stuff, in, in a way, almost have that responsibility to ourselves to, to do it even more, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like wait a minute, what's my, what's my excuse? Why would I stay in this dark, deep place longer than I have to? Yeah. I have, and, you know, I have all these, all these reasons for, to, to find joy and to, and to claim it. 
Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest piece there, right there. What you just said is, you know, finding those, those pieces and those moments to help remember you of, of those, of the joy, right. And those different experiences, because, you know, it can also seem pretty easy, right. When you're going through all these things and these challenges to, like you said, dig yourself deeper into that hole. And instead of, you know, realizing that you have the, these different basic things, whether that's a home or family or diff- different pieces of things that we have to access. Um, so that kind of, you know, something else that I thought was really, really cool with what you're doing is you are the founder of the Seattle conflict resolution. So I'd love to hear like from you just a little bit about that and how you came mm-hmm. across creating that and just the whole journey. It's super cool. Oh, thank you. Um, well, my very first job with homeless young people mm-hmm. was actually an AmeriCorps position. I was um, getting getting paid AmeriCorps wages <laughs> for mm-hmm. running a meal program for homeless young people. And my very first night doing it by myself was completely terrible. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, absolute chaos. There was about 50 young people in a church basement. My food volunteers were hiding behind this table. They were very afraid. (laughs) I was very afraid. My purse was stolen. There were fights breaking out all over the place. There was this 14-year-old who just had a big mouth on her and was creating problems wherever she went. Mm. And they they had multiple piercings and tattoos Mm -hmm. and like stuff that I wasn't very familiar with, a culture that I had no idea about. And I was frightened. Mm-hmm. I was I was shaking in my boots and I was thinking I'm never coming back. Nine hundred dollars a month is not worth this. This does not feel safe. I mean I'm, I'm kind of a little conflict averse, right? Mm-hmm. And then this big voice boomed out over the crowd, and it said, "Hey little bean, knock it off. You're messing it up for the whole burrito." And and I was just like, "What? Who was that?" And the whole room got quiet and polite and everybody's getting along and i'm looking at this transformation for these young people and i'm just really curious like who are you guys that you can be so accountable to each other Mm -hmm. and that began my journey about understanding street culture and understanding what it means to choose your family what it means to be accountable to other people for 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 your well-being Mm -hmm. and they taught me things that I never learned growing up, you know, in a pretty isolated Christian household, you know, like I, I didn't know half of what they were up against. Mm -hmm. And for me, that really pushed my, 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 um, my boundaries around how to handle conflict and who I am, you know, (laughs) these guys are much bigger than I am (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they're living, you know, they're living, um, a kind of a life or death situation every day. Mm. And that's, um, wow. Yeah. Just to hear you kind of recount that, right? Like those memories of like being back in that. Cause I know I re- definitely relate to you as well. Cause having background myself, you know, working in behavioral health and going into different, you know, facilities and hospitals and clinics and homes mm-hmm. and all these things. And, you know, sometimes feeling nervous or scared, you know, like, what, what can I say? Like, how can you help? Like, are you helping? Are you making a difference? And that's something I love to ask you too, with, you know, especially when it comes to, crisis management and resolution, like, did you ever have those moments where you felt like, am I making a difference or an impact? And what did you do to overcome those to really be able to create what you did? Oh, that's a great question. One of the things you probably noticed in those settings is that your biology kicks in 
Mm-hmm. And when your biology kicks in, oh my gosh, you can only go to two directions, right? One direction is you get big <laughs> and you try to be like scarier than the thing that's got you freaked out. And then the other direction is you get small and you try to look like, oh, don't, don't worry about me. I'm not a threat, right? I, you, you can just leave me alone. I'm over here. I'll be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither one of those works with conflict. They both tend to make conflict worse, right? Mm-hmm. They both make the other person feel like, oh, I have to be bigger than you mm-hmm. or what you're, I'm not getting through to you. You, you, you just totally checked out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I had all of these conflicts that happened on my watch that I had to learn how not to have that kind of big reaction to the biological fight flight stuff. Just like I learned, oh, this is not working over mm-hmm. and over and over again until I kind of got comfortable with conflict the hard way just by screwing up so much mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point that, that, you know, my, my little freak out was a lot less severe because, oh, wait, you know, I've, I've seen it before when people yell at each other and da, da, da. Like it, I just got kind of inoculated mm-hmm. and eventually that gave me the space to start really looking at what is the right response to this? Mm-hmm. How can I bring that, that, that epicenter of peace into this chaos. And I have to have that for myself first, right? So I got better at de-escalating myself. And then I could actually start de-escalating the people around me. And um, the, the sad truth of social services is that we are doing way many more things than we have funding to do. Mm -hmm. And so that meant I had to have a bunch of volunteers help run my shelter because I didn't actually have the budget to pay staff. Mm -hmm. So I was training college students to come in and run the world's craziest sleepover every night of the week with 45 beds of 18 to 25 year olds, um, mostly managed by three or four paid staff members and 12 college student volunteers who were the same age as the people we were serving. Mm -hmm. So I had to like not only figure out my conflict stuff, but train them on how to do it too. <laughs> wow. And that's when it, that's when it really took off because I had to like externalize like, okay, so this is, this is what you do. These are your tools. This is how to lean in instead of like get small or get big. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's really, really good advice. Cause when you think about that, right. Cause I, you think like the common way of when you're trying to uh, deescalate something, you might think, okay, I need to do maybe this way or be bigger or not, not be too much and kind of be more on the quiet side. But I love how you mentioned, especially when you talk about that piece you mentioned of deescalating yourself to create that piece in yourself, to be able to deescalate that for others. And that's a really good tip too, because especially like you mentioned, when you get into these situations, your it kicks into your body of you're having these certain feelings of being maybe afraid, nervous, unsure, you don't know what to say or mm-hmm. how to act. And you're feeling on edge and it's coming out in the way that you're interacting with people. So I, I love that because especially when we're talking about depression and tips and, and solutions for that, you know, if you could give, you know, maybe three key things that, you know, you do still to this day, right. Cause it's still always a journey. You know, you don't do, do the work, you know, one time and it's great. And that would be awesome if it worked that way, but you know what you still do to this day to really prioritize that, you know, if you could give me maybe like three top three things you do to prioritize that when you are having those experiences with depression, what does that look like? 
Well, I think depression for me is like using that language around, okay, this is what happens when the situation is bigger than I can handle, mm -hmm. right? And it's just like really looking out for what are my resources in life. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you do it really well in your podcast talking about, you know, there's your, your nutritional needs and there's, mm -hmm. you know, that, that kind of tackling what you can and can't handle and kind of being realistic about that. Like mm -hmm. all of the places that we lean in and take care of ourselves could be our medical, could be our dental, could be exercise, you know, like could be what we eat. Like those are things that give ourselves the message that I'm worth investing in. I'm worth having these resources on board mm -hmm. at all times because I never really know what life is going to throw me next. And so even the act of doing things that are good for my self-care, and that's not just pampery stuff. That's just really practical stuff, right? Um, that act is like a contradiction to to the message that, oh, well, you don't deserve resources. You just need to like cower down and do whatever you need to do. Like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> we, as a depression survivor, I know that, that's possible. It's very possible that life is going to throw me a curveball. Mm -hmm. No. And I love how you laid that out there of, especially, you know, when you said giving yourself that message that you're worth investing in. Right. And it sometimes it, it doesn't always look like, like you said, like doing these different things to pamper yourself in these certain ways. Maybe it's just, you know, five minutes to yourself to do a meditation or exercise or what you're mm -hmm. eating or, you know, a conversation with someone that close to you or, you know, letting other people know that you're proud of them or, you know, complimenting others and just these mm -hmm. small things and small acts that we do that you really start to say, wow, like I'm happy I'm doing this, or I'm happy I did this yeah. today. And it really yeah. makes an impact because that's, that's amazing that you lay it out there because you, you mentioned too, like what, what are your resources and in, in terms of mm -hmm. can control and can't control, because that's something that, you know, takes, obviously takes years of practice to, uh, you know, have the ability to identify it. Cause it can be hard, you know, especially when things are going, 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 and we're always, we're all so busy and we all have so much going on and we catch, and it happens all the time. Cause even, even with me all the time, like I still have days where I'm like, Oh, like I'll have these different feelings. Then I'm like, okay, I'm feeling like this because of this, but what can I do about it? What can I do to make it better? And that's, what's amazing because it is really hard, especially when you're dealing with depression too, of you're, you're in that, in that kind of state and you don't know how to look at it in, in another way that can help mm -hmm. you come out of it. So I love that you feature those different things and things that you've done for yourself to really help you put you in a position to where you can really continue to do the work you do, because something that I know is pretty common in, you know, the field that you've been in with social services and these different things is having that burnout and overworked. Yeah. And like you mentioned, doing all these different things and go all these different places and it, and it can really catch up on your body and cause you to have that, those feelings of depression. Like, is this ever going to really, you know, make a difference? You know, I'm only one person, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's really the really beautiful thing about what you're doing. So, you know, I'd love to hear some more work of, you know, what, what you've done so far with Seattle conflict resolution. Cause it looks like you do different, you go into different places and you do different, um, talks on crisis management. So is that, is that correct? Or you can kind yes. of elaborate more on that. I'd right. like to hear yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have very public facing team members 
that have curveballs and angry, irate people <laughs> thrown mm -hmm. at them regularly, right? <laughs> Especially, you know, with this COVID world that we're living in, the pandemic has just been this huge depletion mm -hmm. of our mental health resources. And everybody's on edge. Tensions and hostility is a lot higher, especially in hospitality, um, restaurants. You know, mm -hmm. we're seeing this really high rates of turnover. People just quitting saying, I can't deal with irate and angry customers anymore. Mm -hmm. So I will come in and I will train them how to deal with people when they are at their absolute worst. Wow. And, you know, you mentioned about, you know, giving somebody a compliment as a part of your well-being. You're actually super smart about that because they have been done so many studies. If we can show up with our best selves, our kindest self, then we are a lot less likely to get hooked into other people's like outrage and irateness and hostility because we're already in that, in that calm, peaceful center. Like I know who I am. I know what my value is. And I can express that with the smile on my face and kindness in my voice, even though you right now are at your worst self, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm not giving you power to pull me into my worst self. Mm -hmm. I'm actually holding the container for you to have your tissy fit because we know human emotion, even at, a, at its most intense level, is very hard to hold on to it for more than 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's true of extreme ecstasy and extreme anger. Like we just, we can't channel that much energy mm -hmm. for very long. We just, it depletes us. It wears us down, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just train people like, just imagine they're speaking a foreign language. It's all just flowing right past you. And you're waiting for them to come down for breath. And that's your opportunity to engage. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. Um, one of my biggest clients is the Seattle Space Needle, right? Yes. People can be irate. They like yeah. they have to they have to wait in line to get <laughs> into a small elevator, and small spaces can be very um, triggering for some people. Mm -hmm. You know, and they have to deal with thousands of people every day, some of whom get irate, mm -hmm. and, and so we just give them real practical tools. Okay, here's here's what to do with your body. Here's some, you know, here's a script you can use. Here's some tools that I want you to like see where you're at. There's like basic level conflict, intermediate and advanced level. I give them tools in each one of those levels and, and just kind of challenge them. Like if mm -hmm. you're here, try to get to there, like to try to, you know, try to really get to the point where you can empathize with this person. Think about the last time you were maybe a little hangry and you took it out on somebody you loved, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know what response you needed at that time. Mm -hmm. Be that response for this person now. Wow. That's, that's so such amazing advice to, especially what you said right there at the end of, you know, to be that for that person in that moment and to have that response. And that's, I love that you go in and you actually help with these different places of de-escalating and ha ha handling, handling these crises, right. Of what to do and how to say, how to say different things, because like you said, those feelings can't are very difficult to hold on for extended periods of time, but then those effects can last. Right. So when you have that interaction of, you know, being upset or there's especially in hospitality or behavioral health or different places where there's very long lines and things like that. Um, and having this stuff happen where, um, people are upset and they're, you know, angry and it's not a good situation. 
can impact you for probably the rest of your day. And then you take that out on the next person. It's like a ripple effect of like, we're just, because it's passing it on, but you know, to have that power in that moment is extremely amazing just to be able to say, okay, you know, this isn't a good situation. You know, this person's upset and it's making me feel a certain kind of way. And it's like, like really not sitting well with me, but what can I say to offer support in that way, but also let them know that I, I hear them. I understand them. I know, you know, what this experience is instead of just kind of brushing it off and then trying mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, you know, this is what it, just directing it right to there. I love that you do that because that's I mean, such a needed thing, especially in different industries, like you mentioned, where people are just like, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I'm leaving. Um, I can't because it, it has that stress level of where it puts that on you. And, you know, a lot of people go home and they have families, they have different things they're doing throughout their days, right. And different, different obligations and responsibilities. And it almost pushes you to a point of exhaustion and the stress level inside of yourself and thinking, Oh my gosh, I have to go back to this place again and do this again tomorrow. And I don't know if it's going to get better. And you almost put yourself in the cycle, but what you do is so great because it almost, it helps these people, you know, be able to have that tool that you offer, whether it's through scripts or through the tools that you're offering, um, and giving them those tips and those advice to really take with them into these situations to, you know, be able to come out and not have those lasting effects of where it stays with you the whole rest of the day. So I think that is so amazing. And, you know, something else I want to ask you too, is I always love asking everyone this question because everyone always has a different answer and it's so amazing. And that's why I always sit here taking notes. You guys, I always have my notebook. So I make sure I'm getting everything down to include this for all of you. Um, everything that we were mentioning today and that, um, Christine was sharing, not only just from her personal experiences, but also her experience with working with clients, like she mentioned of, you know, Seattle space needle for Seattle conflict resolution. So, um, of course I have to ask you, Christine, what is what are you doing right now in this moment? If you can give me one thing to master your mental. Oh, well, you mentioned it earlier, Paris. It's got to be meditation. Um, Mm -hmm. As much as I fought it earlier on, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to be one of those meditator people. Um, (laughs) You know, just having that quiet place to sit. And for me, it's typically outside in the natural environment i just um need that peace Mm -hmm. and that space uh when we're stressed our brain works at a certain level right that's our sympathetic nervous system and it's not it's not a good brain it's not a kind voice it's not a good inner voice to have when we have that space that expansive there's nothing that we have to do in that moment. There's, there's no expectation that we're producing or solving any problem. Then we get to get into our parasympathetic nervous system. And as you know, you know, that's, that's where our creative self lives. That's where we digest our food. That's where we find those answers that might've been invading us without even looking for them. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. where our intuition lives and our kinder voice and our kinder self-image mm-hmm. can come from that that expanded place, and and so we we all need that in our lives daily, just to have that that ah okay mm-hmm. here's me in touch with my internal rhythm right now, and not <laughs> not that you know problem solving brain that's constantly going and driving us right. <laughs> 
Exactly. And I, I love how you dive deeper into what meditation has done for you. And especially when you talk about doing it outside and being able to detach and have that present moment of, and really gaining awareness into these different thoughts that may have been going all over the place that you haven't been able to really cling to. That is so true and so powerful because like you just said, you know, listening to you talk about that and share how powerful that's been for you. I really relate a lot because I was just like you too. I was like, Oh no, I can't do meditation. I can't sit still. I can't It's so hard. And when you just allow yourself, you know, to try, right. Cause of course you're not moments where you're think you're not listening to the, maybe you're listening to a video, your mind's going off or you're opening your eyes, looking over here, you know, it's, it's, but it's about being kind to yourself in those moments and giving yourself that time. So I love that you elaborate on that and just mentioned how much that has been done for you in just terms of trying to uh, continuing to prioritize your mental health and really be able to give that back to others. So I love that. That's such a, such a, such a powerful one right there, of course, meditation. And if you guys haven't tried it, definitely get into that. There's so many free resources online and just videos on YouTube and everything. You can do it for five minutes, 10 minutes, two minutes, whatever you want to do. But, you know, I want to just say thank you to you guys for being here and tuning in and just um, checking out uh, Christine's story here and just really seeing the value that she has had in terms of, you know, when we talk about depression recovery and crisis management and really being able to tap into that, these skills and these tools to to really taken to those situations that are very challenging and overwhelming. She definitely knows what she's talking about and has been able to help many people with this. So very thankful to have you here, Christine with us. So I want to thank you. So thank you so much for coming out. And this has been amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paris. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) All right. Bye, Christine. And bye, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Love you and appreciate you all. Have a good one. Bye. All right, guys, that was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com or you can DM me on Instagram at masteryourmental where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.